Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. The God-constituted person. Let's all say that together. I told you a while ago why God created man. God created us for one main reason. The reason why we are created is for us to contain God. It's very important to understand that. God created us so he can put himself in us. For us to be his physical expressions on the earth. So you don't need to die and go to heaven. You have to be on earth. He created us to be on earth. To become his image, his expression. So we, he expresses himself through us. It's a very, very, very important that's why God created us. But because of sin, so that's why when he created Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden and he told them, eat everything, including the tree of life. So that as soon as you eat the tree of life, the life of God checks into you. So then God begins to live through you. So Christianity is actually on the back of the purpose of creation. So you are a Christian for what? So that God can come into you. So and everyone who is a Christian, a genuine Christian is a container of God. Someone who contains God. Where? In your spirit. Because the nature of Satan, after Adam ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what happened? It's not that they just disobeyed God. I told you the other time. The nature of Satan checked into man. So Jesus looked at Peter. When Peter was telling him that you can't go and die on the cross, Jesus knew where that was coming from. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 20, 23, 24, he looked at Peter and he said, get thee behind me, Satan. The Bible didn't say he looked at Satan. The Bible said, but he turned and said to Peter, Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Who was he talking to? Satan. But Satan was expressing himself through Peter. Since we fell, Satan found your flesh, your humanity as a comfortable expression for his agenda. So you heard professor say that it's like a game at the top there. A game either against God or for God. The whole thing is about Satan's agenda and God's agenda. And you are, if you are not born again, if God hasn't checked in you, the flesh will manifest the purposes of Satan. Romans chapter 7, Paul said that, verse, verse 15 and 16, he said, the things I don't want to do, that I keep doing. And he said, verse 16, that therefore, if then I do what I will not do, I agree with the Lord that it is good. Verse 17, look at the verse 17. But now, it is no longer I who do it, but something that dwells in me. So, are you trying to say that there's something in you? It's called sin. When did it come inside me? When Adam ate, the nature of Satan entered into man. That nature of Satan is called sin. This is not sins. This is not a verb. This is a noun. A personality. So sin here is different from your sins. See, you are a sinner not because of your sins. You are a sinner because sin is in you and you are not in Christ. So in Romans chapter 5 verse 19, it tells us who a sinner is. He didn't say a sinner is the one who is sinning. He says that for us by one man's disobedience, the many were made what? Sin. The many were made what? You didn't become a sinner because of what you did. You became a sinner because of what Adam did. So you don't become righteous because of what you do. You became righteous because of what Christ did. The 
That is their Christian message. So you don't tell me you are waiting to stop. Religion moves you back into doing, 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 doing. Christianity makes you, boost you into being, 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 being. For as many as believed in the Lord, as many as received him, John chapter 1 verse 12, he gave them power to become, not to do, to become. You become before you do based on who you become. Christian message. So, Jesus could look at the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, verse 33. He could look at the Pharisees and said, you brood of vipers, serpents. Jesus called them serpents. Where did, that, where, where did it come from? Serpents, brood of vipers. No, why didn't, he, why, didn't he say, why didn't he say cows? Why didn't he say dogs? Why didn't he say monkeys? But he said serpents. Because the serpent of old, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, he said, the serpent of old. He says that so the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil, Satan. What is Satan? The serpent of old. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent was the most cunning animal that God has made. And then he said to so Satan came as the serpent. The Bible calls him the serpent of old. And then Jesus calls the fallen humanity brood of vipers, serpents. Why? Because Satan, the nature of Satan, checked into humanity. That is why the things you want to do to please God, you're struggling. Because you cannot please God in the flesh. He says, actually, he said, he who is in the flesh cannot please God. Romans chapter 8 from 5, 6, 7. He said, to be carnally minded is enmity with God. It's like the carnal, the carnal mind, that means the natural man. So the flesh is not talking about the skin tissue. The flesh is talking about it's you, 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 as you are outside of God. Your nature, the human nature. That is why it does not matter how Beautiful you can be, handsome, intelligent you can be. God does not depend on your intelligence to advance his purpose. God does not depend on human intelligence, human acumen, human skill to carry out his purpose. If God calls you and you've got skill, he focuses on removing and detoxing and taking you out of yourself so that anything that gets done in you will be him. Because his purpose is not to give you skill to do something for him. His purpose is to put himself inside you to do through you. So I ain't trying to say human skill is not important. That's another subject. I didn't say that, but it should, what I'm trying to say is that do not think your training makes you qualified for God to use you. Your training can, some people come to church and because of their um, professional or educational background or professional exposure, they assume that that's what gives them importance in, God, in God's house. Your professional exposure, educational background does not guarantee any importance in the house of God. In social circles, it may, but this is a house of God. Think about it. This is the house of God. This is the house of God. You can't go to Buckingham Palace and say, because I'm the prime minister, everyone open the door for me. Where is the queen? Going to the group. No, 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 no. You cannot take your status, social status, into that house. Because that house, there is a, a higher power there who does not regard anybody's status. They are above everyone, and they have their own rules in the house. So do not bring your social importance to, to determine or to claim entitlement in the house of God. It's the God in you that defines your importance in the house of God. Wow. 
everybody is equally important. But as long as the platform and issuing out serving leadership and stuff like that in God's house is concerned, it is very much predicated on your relationship enrichment in God. So you can be a chief executive of Tesco. If you come here, you, you, you will not be a head of usher. You go to new believers class and you, if you want to join the ashes, you join the, the ashes. And if you want to join the sanctuary, you can go and clean the toilet. It's fine. You are a, a chief executive does not mean a squad in God's house because everybody dies. If we are in a plane, the plane is crashing. You say, no, no, I'm the chief executive. I can't die. No, we are all going down. There is uh, tear gas here right now. God forbid. Your status doesn't matter. So, God created us to put himself into us for us to be his expression. It's very important. Now, sin entered. So, instead of God entering, sin came in first. But sin couldn't enter our spirit because the spirit is God breathed. Bible says in Genesis chapter um, 2 verse 7, and God formed man from the dust of the earth and he breathed into his nostrils and then he became. So your spirit came from God. Bible says that the spirit, I think Proverbs chapter 20, verse 20, 21, 27 or 20, 27 somewhere, said the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. In, in Job chapter 32, verse 8, he said there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth him understanding. So your spirit... And as I told you the other time, when Adam ate the, the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not the tree of evil, it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So good and evil, not only evil, good as well. So your good doesn't make you good before God. So he, when he ate the, the, of the tree, what happened to him is that the judgment came and God said to the devil, to the serpent. That's the first one to receive the judgment of God. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 14. He said, and the Lord said to the serpent, you shall crawl on your belly and dust shall thou eat. And remember, Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Bible said, God took the dust of the earth and made man. And so man was made out of dust. And the judgment against the devil, one of it is you shall eat dust. So you, outside of God, the breath of God is what is different. But apart from that, the rest of you said, that's you came from Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, 20. When you go to the burial ground, they said, that's thou art. He said, and he said, for out of it, he said, okay, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for that you are, and thus you shall return. And now Satan has been giving instruction that you, that's you eat. So you see, if you don't have Christ, then Satan will. You are cheap meat to the devil. In spite of your, the car you drive. In spite of your exposure. In spite of who is your boyfriend or girl or girlfriend. Satan will eat you up. Is it possible that he's eating your kidney already? <laughs> so the serpent has free access. Free access to anybody who is not born again. Anybody who is not. So when they are making noise about some church, church, I'm in church, church, warn them. I don't believe. It, you don't have to believe in radioactive substance for it to work against you. You don't have to believe. Your believing is irrelevant when it comes to bigger issues of life. 
And yet, we, have, we live in a society where people live their life. Everything is based on, I don't believe. I, listen, your belief is irrelevant. It's irrelevant to the fact. No human belief changes the actual state of life. At all. It doesn't change anything. But why is it that everybody is made to think that, I know, I've read a lot, and this is what I believe, and this is what I believe. When you go out preaching to people, they tell you they've read a lot. So, um, God, when yeah, he said that. So Satan has access to you. But then the spirit, because it's the breath of God, Satan does not have access to the spirit of man. But when you are not born again, your spirit is clinically dead. What does that mean? It doesn't have fellowship with God. Your spirit doesn't have divinity, divine activity, life. It came from God, but it's disconnected because of sin. And when you get born again, it's not your behavior per se, when you get born again, it's your spirit. So in Galatians chapter 4 verse 5, he said, um, Galatians 4 5 says, since because we are sons, God, uh, verse 5, verse 6, okay, sorry. So because you are sons, God has sent forth what? The spirit of his son into our hearts, which Christ Abba Father. That is where it starts from. This thing is a spiritual thing. Bible says that we are partakers of the divine nature. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. By which he has given us these great and precious promises. That by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. Verse 4. But by, by uh, which exceeding great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers. Say partakers. Partake. Oh say it loud. Partake. Say it again. Partakers. Partakers of what? I can't hear you. Do you know what divinity is? For you to be partaker of the divine nature, not the human nature. You're already a human being. But a Christian, a born-again Christian, is a hum- someone who has humanity and a partaker of divinity. It's not waiting till you die. As you are walking here, there is divinity. If you are born again, there is divinity in you. So what's going on? What's wrong? Why am I struggling? Why, why, why do I keep losing my temper? Why do I keep carrying uh, unforgiveness, bitterness? Why do I think this is uh, lustful, uh, watching porn? Why, why? What's wrong with me? I'm born again, but still. Yeah, yeah, I told you where Satan is living. It's the flesh. So in Galatians chapter 5, he says, verse, verse, verse 16, walk in the spirit so that you do not... How can you walk in the spirit if your spirit is kaput? That's where it starts from. All those who think it's about morality, it's about spirituality. So, it says that, watch it, look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. For the flesh lasts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Pastor, come quickly. So, that's the flesh. And that's the spirit, okay? The spirit wants to go here. The flesh wants to go here. So, what's been going on? When you become born again. When you are not born again, do you know what? The flesh is just leading everything. Soon as you become born again, you are alive unto God. You have the Zoe, the life of God. And suddenly you can, Romans chapter 8 verse 2, for the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of, so the law of the, the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So now, I, because of the spirit in me, the spirit wants to go here, but the flesh wants to go here. So flesh, try and go here. And the spirit is trying to go here. So Bible says, in verse 17 of Galatians chapter 5, 
what does it say? The flesh lasts against the spirit, the spirit, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things which you wish. You actually want to do this by your flesh. Try, I try and go there, and I'm also going there. So it's like, so now, do you know who wins? The survival of the fittest. So you are born again, but you are not reading your Bible, you are not praying, you are not coming to church, so your spirit is weak and flesh. Flesh, push, keep pushing. Your spirit is weak. Oh, Jesus, I don't know why I'm doing this, oh, Lord. I don't, I don't like to do this thing. Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord. Pastor, please pray for forgiveness for me. You know what the religious people do? These are the religious observers. They are looking at the way you behave. So they see that the flesh is waning. And they say, oh, look at this. He calls himself a Christian. He's not a Christian. This one is not a Christian. Not a Christian. But deep in your heart, you, you have done something, you are doing something wrong, or you find yourself something, and the thing is eating you up. The observer says, Look at this, not a Christian. No. No. When they see you, they don't even want to talk to you because you are not a Christian. You are not a Christian, and you are struggling. And the genuine Christians, according to Galatians chapter, chapter 6, verse 1, <laughs> the genuine Christians are here, and they, they go on their knees, and they are praying for you interceding for you. Believe. They know you are messing up, but they are not giving up on you. They know you are messing up. He says that brethren, if any, if, if, if a man is overtaken in a trust, in any trust, well, you who are, you who are spiritual, full of judgment, this one has done it, you who are spiritual, you are not, a spiritual person will begin to, Lord, help my brother, help my sister, help this pastor, Help this church elder. Help this person. He's been overtaken by a fault, by a trespass. Help them. Restore such a one. You two considering yourself. Other than that, your time will come. For he, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, say he who thinks that he stands. Let's be careful. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 and 14 or somewhere like that. He who thinks he stands, be careful. So, back to the spirit. So the reason why your church going and reading your Bible, don't read your Bible for your pastor. Everyone is running his own race. Yeah. Yeah, he said, let each, each man so run. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, 25 there. He says that, I do not run aimlessly. I do not run aimlessly. He says that, do you not know that all those who run a race, all, all who run in a race, all run, but one receives a prize. Run in such a way that you may go to the verse 25. And everyone who competes for the masteries, you must be temperate in all things. Don't say, oh, it's my character, I'm struggling. No, you have to learn how to manage the thing. Now, they who do this, do it to obtain. Verse 20, 20, 26 and 27. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. I fight, not as the one who is beating the air. There is a target. Your Christian life must have a target. So it's important you understand that um, your spirit man, when is weak, so mm. your prayerlessness will cost you. How many of you have noticed that the more you are not in church, the more you do some things easily? Yeah. 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 The more you are not praying, the more the things you think me, I would be able to deal with it, the more you are flopping. And you don't understand. You try again, you flop. You try and you flop. You try and you don't know what's wrong. It's your spirit is so emaciated. Your spirit is so weak. So the flesh is winning. Yeah. But when you come to fellowship, church, read your Bible, mm. praying and do evangelism, your spirit becomes so strong and the flesh and then your spirit says, let's go. We are going the way of the Lord. 
So your spirit begins to win. So there is always contention and a battle inside you as a believer. You are going through it now as I'm talking to you. Everybody is fighting a battle and running a race. And on the day, we shall all be called to be rewarded and give account of how you ran your race, how you lived your life. That is why he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He said, having done all things to stand, stand therefore. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13. The God constituted person. So, God created us for us to contain him. Remember that. God created us all to put himself into us. So, then God calls Abraham. The book of Genesis, you find out, it's always talking about one person. So, Adam, okay. And then you go to, from Adam, you go to Abel. The Bible focuses, actually, Adam, let's leave him out. Abel, Abel, and then we have Enoch, then we have Noah, then we have Abraham, then we have Isaac, then we have Jacob, then after Jacob, is no more one person. It's a people. Because God was always looking for a people. God does not work with one. He works with a team of people. So he called Abraham. Do you know why he called Abraham? Because he had, watched this, Israel in mind. That's why Israelites are always talking about Abraham. Because he had Israel in mind. Moses, David, Daniel, they were all called to serve the, God, the purpose of God in Israel and use Israel to affect the world. But if you check, they were all in relation with Israel. Anyone who came in must come within the court, even Rahab and um, Ruth. They are foreigners, but they came in within the context of Israel. That's why we heard about them. But if they are, Rahab, we heard about Rahab because Rahab received the spies, and after they took over Jericho, he became part of them. So that's why we hear about Rahab. So we hear about everybody in the context of Israel. Even Jesus had to come in the context of Israel. That's how God was dealing. Until Jesus went to the cross and crucified and dealt with the Satan in humanity. Dealt with Satan on the cross. Now, the, temp- the curtain of the temple, Matthew 27, I think 53 or so, was torn from top to bottom. It's open. Everyone can have access to God now. So in Ephesians, he says that the mystery of church, the mystery of Christianity is Gentiles and Jews all from one new man. Because in those days, you can't go to a Gentile's house if you're a Jew. That You can see that in Acts chapter 10 when Peter went to the house of Cornelius. In fact, before he went, God told him to go. He said, I can't go there. So Peter went. It was revelation that took him to the house of Cornelius. And even after a senior figure in the early church like Peter, after he found himself in that house, when he came back, the church, in, the leaders and elders in Jerusalem said, Acts chapter 11, said, why did you have to go to a Gentile's house? Peter, what are you doing? You are spoiling the move of God. And Peter said, no, it's not me. I received a vision and God told me to go. As I was talking, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as he has fallen upon us in the beginning. Therefore, who am I to withstand the hand of God? That God, you can't come on these people. So they realized that, oh, okay, God is doing something new in the Gentiles as well. So it took Paul to come and teach the church about how church is not about just Jews. Okay, Jesus came as a Jew because at that time, before the cross, God's people were the Jews. But was Israel. But after the cross, God's people, the church, which is made up of Jews and Gentiles, is in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, is called one new man. One new man. 
enough of that. So God was looking for Israel. But before he can get he could get Israel, he had to pick Abraham, work on Abraham, work on him, work on him, and then continue on the work in Isaac, work on him, work on him, work on him, continue on the work in Jacob. Now, Jacob constituted a chunk aspect, a major aspect of the working of God on humanity. I'll explain it. So when you become born again, you didn't become born again because you chose. You became born again because he chose to call you. Abraham didn't choose himself. God chose him. Now, when you become born again, you have the, the riches of Christ at your disposal. Everything Christ died for is for you, just like Isaac. He didn't have to work for anything. Everything his father God was for him. And then Jacob, so you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is more where, you watch the story of Jacob very well, you'll find out that he, it took a very long time. Jacob's lifespan took, or his life story took from Genesis 27, started 25, jumped 27 to the end. Isaac had about only two chapters, 24 to 20, 26. Abraham from chapter 12 to chapter uh, 24 there about. So Jacob took the rest. And after God got Jacob, he didn't say God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of Joseph, God of David. No, it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I always talk about this, it's very important. Why? Watch this. Because God did something in Jacob which he didn't, which he didn't do in the others because he started something with them. And watch this. And what God did in Jacob is what he's actually targeting to do in every modern day believer, every Christian. What is it? That's why we are talking on this message. It's called maturity. Someone say maturity. maturity. Jacob got, met God. How did he get the blessing? <laughs> Very interesting. He went to his father. He said, he deceived his father. His father was blind. He said, I am Esau, your, your elder son. Can you give me the birthright? He said, okay, are you sure you are? I said, yes, I am. I am. I am. My hands, my hands, my voice is like, it's, it's like Jacob's voice, but because I ate too much, too much chili. So that's why. He, he see his father. His father gave him the blessing. And then ran away from home as a fugitive. And then when he was going from home, watch this. This will interest you. He had a dream, and in a dream, God came to him. Liar? Yes. A supplanter? Yes. A trickster? Yes. But with encounters of God. God did, watch this, God did not wait for him to finish changing. Wow. What makes you think that God will wait for you to finish changing? <laughs> he said, come, I'm going to do the change. I'm going to work on you. I'm going to work on you. So you remember that when you come to church, when you are born again, God starts working on you. Right. And some people, just like the police officer, have been given authority to stop the car, move the car. Turn. And you said, I don't listen to any police. People choose to comply with God and grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up. That's what church is about. Grow up and stop this intensive care unit system. God, God's target is to get you to mature. Mature spiritually. And spiritual maturity is not just in the, in, in, in the mind. It starts with the spirit and it affects the mind. So it's a spiritual thing. So now, so Joseph was a Jacob was so had not changed. God has not given him instruction. The guy had character issues. He was a dodgy guy. 
And yet, God appeared to him without telling him, do this, don't do this, do this. God appeared to him and gave him a vision of what his, his future was. And then after that, he went to his uncle's house and tricked his uncle. His uncle tricked him first. And then, okay, later on also. So he was, and then he, after, after he got so much money, he got all the children. He was using different means to have his children. Different means. He married two women, but gave birth, uh, had his children through four women. So Jacob, Jacob, God started working on him. God started working on him. I'm talking about the God-constituted person. God's plan is to work himself into you so much that you become so saturated with God. You become so, because there is a, a space in you that is for God. That's God. God created you to be able to contain him as a spirit. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at caris.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.